Good morning. Good morning. Rabotai, we'd like to start by wishing a Mabruk to the Ajmi and Braha families on the birth of a baby boy. You should be zocher to have only Nahat from him, Le'atid Lavo. You should be zocher also to bring him into the Brit Milah, Be'ito, Bismano, Le'gadlo, Torah, Le'chupah, Le'ma'asim, Tovim. Okay. We are now into the month of Elul. And everybody knows and we're all familiar with this concept of Elul having being an acronym for Ani Lidodi Vidodili. What does that mean, Ani Lidodi Vidodili? I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. That's what the words, that's what the, the letters of the month stand for. Ani Lidodi Vidod. I am to my beloved, Vidodili, and my beloved is to me. Now, this is a fascinating understanding, Rabotai. Because it, it, it teaches us, it speaks to a tremendous yesod in worshipping, in being a servant, a true servant of God and to achieving our potential. One of the most important things that a human being can think, again, one of the most important things that a human being can think is that he or she is important. You have a person on the day of their uh, wedding and they're sitting and they're getting ready and they're doing their hair and they're doing their makeup and the hatan is wearing a nice suit. It's a very important day, Rabotai. In fact, we know that the day that someone gets married is considered to be their own personal Yom Kippurim. Did you know that? On that day when someone gets married, all of their sins are held either in the difference of the opinion in the Gemara. Either they wipe them out or either mohalimlo or pokikinlo, they, they're held in abeyance, but they clear the decks. The guy's balance to God on all of his sins goes to zero if he does uh, and he prepares for the wedding the right way. So if it's such an auspicious day, could you imagine someone taking Yom Kippurim to do makeup, to fix their boutonniere, you know, what, is the, what are we doing? Why are you spending it in such a way? And the answer is, that although each of them has many important things on their mind on the day of their wedding, they are making themselves look beautiful so that when they see the other person under the chuppah, the person will look at them and say, wow, look at my chatan, he's so handsome. Look at my kalash, he's so beautiful. Now that idea in a, uh, in a simple or shallow manner when it's applied to someone on the day of their wedding is something which applies in a very deep way to each and every one of us as we prepare ourselves for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Like it says like about Shilomo, Biyom Hatunato Ubiyom Simhat Libo. He had this tremendous simcha, this tremendous rejoicing, as if it was the day, the greatest day of his, uh, of his, the joy of his heart on the day of his wedding. Rabotai, the month of Elul is the month, the countdown before the wedding. People, I think, uh, at the wedding, many people you see are not enjoying themselves at the wedding. I don't know if anyone ever noticed this. Pay close attention to the wedding you go to next time. I still remember uh, a German fellow. He was a yekka. Yeah, you guys know what a yekki is? Someone from German descent. Everything is exactly on the time. I remember he was walking his only daughter down the chuppah. And as he opened the door, and he steps in with his daughter on his arm, and everyone is smiling and, uh, I don't know, clapping, whatever it was. The first thing he does, checks his watch to see if the chupa is going off on time. 
You have people that get very nervous. The flowers, the this, the that. I had someone, I remember their whole bar mitzvah of their son was ruined. You know why? Because the donut wall, I don't know if you know, have you ever encountered this idea? There's a wall of donuts. People want to know why America has an obesity problem. There was a wall of donuts with pegs like you know you have for hats or jackets and on each peg was multiple donuts. A donut wall. But they, their, wedding, their bar mitzvah was ruined because the donut wall did not turn out the way that they wanted. You have many people like that. Rabotai, so you could lose focus sometimes as you're rejoicing in something over the details that actually don't matter all that much. So as we go in this month, counting down towards Rosh Hashanah, where we are going to crown HaKadosh Baruch Hu as king, when we think to ourselves, God loves me and I love him. I want to prepare myself. I want to look beautiful for God. One of the things to remember is that you are important to him. Now, this is a very difficult thing to have in a person's life, to feel humble and at the same time, feel important. They're contradictory, right? On the one hand, you are told all the time to be anav. On the other hand, we're being told that you're important. How could such a thing be? Rabotai, that is what Avraham Avinu brought to the world. Avraham Avinu realized, wait a second. If there's a Borei Olam that created the world, if there's a God that brought us all into existence, it must be that this God had a purpose for us to be here. It must be that out of the kindness of his heart, Borei Olam wanted to create a world, create humanity, to be able to have a relationship with it. That means that it's important to God that I'm here. That means that it's important to God when I do the tiniest misvah. That means it's important to God if I am happy in my day to day. It's important to God if I'm satisfied with my lot. Who wants to be married to someone? Who have a relationship with someone that's always depressing? You're a drain. You're a drag. If you want to be able to be a person who has a loving relationship with God, how do you prepare yourself to be someone that is lovable? You hear that? So I want to talk a little bit about what this idea means. Rabotai, we're starting the parasha here, which is a, a very interesting parasha. You go out to war against your neighbor, and what happens? And in this war, a person sees Shivya, they see Eshet Yifat Tor. They decide they want to marry this person. And we're not going to go into the Halachot today. I think maybe we'll speak a little bit more about it tomorrow. But I want to speak about one little point. And in this war, he sees a beautiful woman and he decides he wants to marry the woman. He brings the woman home. The woman comes to his house. There's a whole process. She goes through Gerut. She grows her hair, cuts her hair, cuts the fingernails, grows her, grows her fingernails, cuts her fingernails, cries for her uh, Abu Dazra and her, and her family for however long. And after all of that, if she makes it through and he still wants to be with her, after all of that, then what happens? He's allowed to marry her. Rabotai, I've always looked at that story as if I was the one that was going to war and the Eshet Yifatoa was this other person and deciding if she could jump through the hoops and if I want to marry her at the end. And then one year I was reading this parasha and I just started to cry. What if I was looking at it the wrong way the whole time? What if we were the Eshet Yifatoa? What if we are this person that God is seeing in this war that's being waged in His world? That there's somebody beautiful in this war. But you know what? They're not perfect yet because they've been mixed amongst all the nations. They have all these crazy ideas of what beauty is. 
Today, every year, every era, there's another decision as to what a beautiful woman is. It's fascinating. You look at pictures from the Renaissance, they painted the most beautiful women in the world. They're not anorexic and skinny and, uh, you know, and size zero. They, you know, they were plump because that showed a sign of affluence. It meant that they could afford to eat. It wasn't a beautiful thing. But as time goes on, the ideas of what beautiful are change every other day. So Am Yisrael is not, we are not oblivious to the definitions that the nations of the world plaster on billboards in front of us. And we decide also that that is what beauty. Someone decides somewhere that this is what fashion looks like. And we also say, oh, we also agree. That's also, we decide. We think also that that's what fashion looks like. God looks in this war, in the chaos of this world, where there is a war of ideologies, where there's a question, and what do you want to be a, 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 a affiliated with? What do you want to be fighting for? And in this war, where all these things are warring against God, warring against selflessness, warring against spirituality and morality, in this war, God sees a young woman and there's something about her. There's something special. Maybe she's different, but there's a process she needs to undergo. That process is our Elul. Where we grow our hair, and we don't cut our fingernails, there's certain elements with regards to the outside world, the beauty of the outside world that we just forego. And after that time, when we cry over our idols, that's the whole month of Elul, when we're crying over our sins. All the Abu Dazara that we are being taught every day, we're crying about the things that we, can, we cannot have. And after that period of time, her husband comes to her and says, now, now you've made this transition to me. Rabotai, every single person has their idols that they need to mourn in this period. And you know, I think one of them is this simple idea. It sounds like if you're someone who's not Jewish and you come to the Jewish people for these six weeks, you think that the God of the Jewish people, he must hate sleep. You know, a month's time, he has you in Silichot. Then what happens? You think, oh, finished. No, Rosh Hashanah, two days of holiday. And then longer Silichot. For that said, Mete And then all day in the synagogue, Yom Kippur, and you think, oh, finally, I'll get no preparations for the holiday. And then when you think you're going to catch up with sleep, Hashem says, okay, go sleep outside. <laughs> and you think Hashem must hate sleep. And I think on some level, he does hate sleep. The Gemara says that sleep is 160th of death. Now that sounds crazy. I love sleep. Sounds like 160th of Olam Haba, right? Like, what are we talking about? You know what the answer is? It's an answer that my father gave me once. My father once said to me, he said, I said, Rabbi, I'm so tired. I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to do, go here. I'm going to go to the shul. I'm going to go do this thing later. I said, I need to sleep. When am I going to sleep? And my father looked at me and he said, Shlomo, you'll sleep when you're dead. You'll sleep when you're dead. Rabotai, we have a chance in this world to accomplish great things. And although you think you're a little nobody living in this, in this world, you're one in seven billion, you know, I remember hearing a song, the song goes, you're one in a million. And I remember thinking to myself, if you're one in a million, that means that there's 7,000 more of you. You don't feel all that unique anymore if you tell someone you're one in a million. You have to tell a guy he's one in a billion, you know? So, but in the Jewish perspective, you're not one in a million. You're one in seven billion. There's not seven of you, there's one of you. Hashem said, I want you to exist. So a person needs to ask themselves, if I could push myself 
to do more. If I could sleep a little bit less, if I could abandon the idols of my youth, the idols of everything around me, if these things became unimportant, we were just talking about sports right before we started this class. And the question arose, is it a big deal? Is it important? Is it a good thing to talk about sports or not? If you're talking about it as a, as a little pastime, you enjoy it. But if you, I remember once the Yankees were one game away in the yeshiva and they lost the game in the playoffs and everyone came into the Beit Midrash, the whole school was depressed. And the Rosh Hashiva stood up and he said, boys, he says, I'm conflicted. I don't know if I should pray that the Yankees should lose, because if they lose, then they're out of it. And then there's no more games to have everybody go crazy about if they go proceed into the, into the World Series. He goes, but I thought to myself, if I pray that they lose, the Avelut might be so strong that for seven days there'll be Avelut in the Beit Midrash. Maybe better to pray that they win, and then we go through the seven games, and at least, you know, they're not in complete disaster. To be overtaken by something like this, your business deal doesn't go through. If you're, if you're not upset about it, you're a psychopath. Of course these things affect us. Of course we should enjoy and we should engage. But to allow them to bother us, to get us down to the point where it stops us from moving on, it occupies more than a few seconds of talk, of chatter, where you're getting doubling down and fantasy football and you know, regular football is not enough. Now we have to bet on fake football and create our own teams and choose players. You know, it becomes a 24-7. And I even remember last year after the football season was over, they started another league so that there would be football when there's no football. It didn't, you know, it wasn't Matzliach, Baruch Hashem, because Hashem was upset about the Bitul Torah that would eventually come out of that. They're starting another one, Shema Israel. Hashem should bless us, Rabotai, to be able to understand that we need less sleep than we think. We need less distractions than we think. There's many wonderful accomplishments that Borei Olam is expecting from us. Okay? Expecting from us. I still remember once I was a rabbi in a certain program and, you know, I was a new guy. I was a young kid on the block. Anyway, so after the program was over, the guy comes to me, he says, you know, I was a little bit disappointed in the program. I said, you, um, Mehila, why? I'm so sorry. He says, you know, you could have done it this way, you could have done it this way, you could have done I said, look, but you know, when they gave me the program, this is what the program was, they told me to follow the program. He says, you think I hired you to do what everybody before you did? If I just wanted them to do it, I would have left them there. But I hired you because everybody told me you're a crazy guy, you're a creative person, you're going to bring new blood to the thing. And now I come to the program, it was very, very nice, but it was the same as everybody else. What's going to happen when we get to Borei Olam after 120? And we would have done the silly khot that we did and prayed and done all the good things, all the good Jews. And we're going to say here, and Hashem says, oh, you followed everybody else's program? Where was the Mark Ajmi stamp? Where was the Shlomo Fai stamp? Where was the Boaz Mashiach stamp? What's different about my world because you were here? I didn't want you to sleep and relax and do what everybody else does. Anile dodi dodi li means that a kala sits there and thinks, how can I look unique? What can I bring to my husband or to my wife, which is stand out, which will make them love me more? And that, if we approach this month that way, and we look at Rosh Hashanah like a day where we're meeting our beloved. We're looking at Yom Kippur as a day where Hashem says, look, whatever you owe me, I'm wiping it out. That's how much I love you. Then these days can become not just days where we're full of fear, where we're full of, instead of that, where we're full of love. Where, not that we're not sleeping because we're afraid. 
but like the night before my wedding where I did not sleep one wink, it wasn't because I was nervous that I was marrying the wrong girl. It was because I was excited that I was marrying the right one. May Hashem bless us to feel every single day. Ani le dodi ve dodi li. Baruch Adonai leolam. Amen.